Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm very excited to be the leadoff hitter in our new series, uh, God Never Said That. And it's my understanding that as we go throughout this series, we're going to be looking at a lot of popular ideas or what many consider to be a lot of mainstream biblical teaching. And teachings that, for the most part, seem to be universally accepted by a lot of American Christians. And we're going to take these ideas and we're going to take these topics and we're going to hold them up to the standard of God's Word. And we're going to test them and we're going to try them and we're going to see if they're accurate and we're going to see if, in fact, God did say them. And this morning, we're going to start with looking at the question of, does God want me to be happy? Doesn't God expect all Christians to have a happy life? You know, most of you in here are parents. And as a parent, you have an inherent desire. There is something within you that you want to see that your children live lives of happiness. You want to see them have lives full of joy. You want to see them find love. And that's us as humans. That's a very altruistic motive. And so wouldn't it make sense that the eternal deity of all righteousness, the eternal deity of all goodness, wouldn't it make sense that he would want his children to be happy? Wouldn't that make sense? You know, there's a lot of teaching about happiness. There's a lot of teaching that is being propagated out of the 21st century American pulpit that tells you that God wants you to prosper in health and wealth and prosperity and to be happy and to have all of these things to fulfill your life, that God's going to provide a provision for you. A lot of that stuff is being spewed out of the pulpits. God's like this. Start believing today that things are going to change for the better. Your best days are out in front of you. That if you'll just submit to God in faithfulness, if you'll just submit to His will, that God's going to open these doors for you in your life and whatever things that were in your past that hindered you, that afflicted you, that brought you pain, that brought you unhappiness, that brought you disappointment in your life, if you'll just give them to God in faithfulness and you march on forward, God's going to provide a provision for you and open up doors of happiness in your life. Guys like this, who say things like this out of pulpits. To be God-blessed means you're empowered by Almighty God Himself to prosper and succeed. It means you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be exceedingly happy with life. And if you're like me and you've, and you've watched a lot of these personalities on TV you understand something. And it's not just personalities on TV. It's in local churches throughout North Texas and all over America. One thing I've noticed is this. I see people who are crippled. I see people who have cancer. I see people who have depression. I see people who are fighting drug addiction or their families are fighting drug addiction and then they hear the message out there that God's going to alleviate these pains in their life and that He's going to provide for them happiness in their life. And so they respond to this message, they respond to this altar call and they respond with a sincere desire in their heart and a sincere faith to recite this prayer or to be prayed over. And they mean it with all their heart and they believe it with all their heart and you know what happens? They get up the next day, and you know where they're going? 
they're going to the doctor for their chemotherapy because they still have cancer. They get up the next day and they're still taking their antidepressants because they're battling thoughts of suicide and depression. They get up the next day and they're still crippled. They get up the next day and their family members are still battling addiction. And it doesn't change. And then they look up to heaven and they look up to God and they say, well, why? And they look at guys like this and they say, well, why? I meant it. I was sincere. I was faithful. I believed it. I prayed it. I meant it. It's been taught to me. And then guys like that look back to people like that and say, well, I guess you just didn't respond in faith. You know, God would provide for the faithful. If you just simply were faithful enough, God would have provided it for you. And so they go on throughout their lives and they feel like they'll never measure up to God's grace. And they go on throughout their life and they feel like God has in essence somehow failed them. Because the thing or whatever it is in their life that provided them unhappiness is still there and it's still real as ever. And it hasn't been resolved. When in reality, you and I know that God never promised us simply a happy life. In fact, in Job chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says this, that man is born of a woman, that his days are short, and that his life is full of trouble. I don't care if you're the most devout Christian in the world, if you grace a pew of a congregation every Sunday faithfully, if you're the most sincere, genuine, respectable Christian there is, or whether you walk the streets of South Dallas at 2 a.m. in the morning, if you've lived any length of time on this earth, you will experience tragedy, you will experience grief, you will experience lulls of disappointment and unhappiness in your life. That's just life, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian. That's just life. And you and I need to understand this concept so that you and I are not tricked into this false narrative, this false doctrine that somehow if our lives are not perfect or if somehow there's something in our life that brings us unhappiness, that brings us depression, that God has failed us or that we are not measuring up to God's grace or that somehow God does not care about us. You and I don't need to fall into the superstition of a lot of that teaching. I, I can't tell you the number of times, and you all know what I'm talking about, you log on to social media and you see stuff like this. People post this stuff, you know what I'm talking about, people post this stuff on a daily basis. Read some of this. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to live a life you are excited about. Don't let others make you forget that. Don't waste a minute not being happy. If one door closes, run to the next window or break down the door. We live in a culture that is saturated with social media that exploits this, that pushes this agenda. This is not just coming out of pulpits from preachers today in North Texas and around America. This is something that's integrated, that's woven in our society where we're told that we're entitled to happiness. That we should expect, that we should demand to be happy and that happiness, our happiness as an individual takes precedent over anything else and anyone else in this world. 
That's what we're told. This isn't just some guy or gal on Instagram who's trying to send a subliminal message to someone out there on social media. It's not them simply trying to get an affirmation of likes or something from social media. People truly believe this. And this is stuff that I see constantly. Constantly. And so the question becomes this. What's the problem with happiness? And I'm here to tell you this morning that there's nothing wrong with happiness. Happiness in and of itself, is, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as the thing that provides you and I happiness is not ungodly. The issue is not happiness itself. The issue is this. The issue is when you and I begin to believe or you and I begin to expect that the greatest purpose in life is for God to provide me happiness. That's the issue. And can you think for a moment why that's problematic? Can you think? I'll tell you why I think that it's problematic. I think that it's problematic because of this. If God exists to provide me happiness, then God exists to serve me. The creator doesn't serve the created. The created is designed and built to serve the created. God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. God wants you to pursue Him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God has not called you to happiness. God has called you to holiness. And what's interesting, when you look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter was written to a group of Christians in the first century who were facing severe oppression. They were facing oppression from a government. They were facing oppression from society. And when Peter writes this, if you read 1 Peter, you will see it's a narrative within that whole chapter where he's telling those people, don't let it surprise you. You're proclaiming to be a Christian. You're wearing the name of Christ. And you're living in a society that persecutes you. What do you expect? But to maintain your faithfulness. But to maintain your allegiance to Jesus Christ. And what makes you think that you and I are any different living in the 21st century in America? If God allowed those people in the first century to endure that for the sake and the name of Christ, what do you think that he thinks that we should just be a big genie in a bottle to us or a Santa Claus to us to give us everything that we want to make us happy? See, the problem is not so much happiness, but when you and I begin to put our trust and our happiness in things that are superficial, things that are beyond, outside the realm of what God has considered to be joy in our life. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse, and verse 10, he said, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am made strong. Arguably, one of the most dedicated, sincere, devout Christians that ever walked the face of the earth, the Apostle Paul 
A man who literally was beheaded in 64 AD in Rome for the cause of Christ. A man who literally wrote the majority of the New Testament. A man who spent years in prison writing letters to other people to make them feel better for the sake of Christ. He wrote this. And he suffered this. He was inflicted with this. What do you think God is going to make you any different? We're no different. We live in a society where we're so individualized and we're so Americanized and the whole purpose of this is not to be happy. The whole purpose is to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the Romans, he said in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 through 2, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We as Christians are called to a higher calling and to the transformation of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on a few verses ahead of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he says in verses 7 through 9, he said this, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the suppressing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me becoming conceited, Three, t- three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast the more gladly with all my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul had problems. Paul refers to this as a thorn in the flesh, and there's a lot of debate of what Paul means by this. Some, and I, I don't know what it means, but I do know this, that there was something in Paul's life, whether it was physical, whether it was spiritual, whether it was mental, or whether it was emotional, that bothered him, that caused him unhappiness. But you know what? He was still charged with the task that Christ gave him, and he still completed that task. And you and I should look at that example and be no different. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, the Bible says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. You know, people oftentimes take verses like this and they cherry pick them out of Scripture and they use that to justify their position of, well, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. They take verses like Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a common one I've seen. They post it. They you know, slap it on the wall, whatever. That's fine. It's a great verse. But that's not a verse that's intended to tell you and I that we should be happy or that we're entitled to happiness. It's really not. It's not a justification for us to have superficial thoughts of what we want as happiness. In fact, when you look at the context of this verse, it's really funny. God's not talking to an individual in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. He's talking to an entire nation. He's talking to an entire nation who was exiled from Babylon, who were in captivity. That's what he's talking about. And God, because of his goodness and his mercy, looked upon his own people of Israel and said, you know what, I'm going to make provision for them. And he says, you know, I'm going to make their days better. That doesn't mean he's going to make it happy. You know what people often forget when they look at this verse? If you go back up to verse 10, you know what it says? In 70 years, I'll do that. In 70 years, you'll stay in captivity, and you'll stay in the hands of Babylon, and you'll be oppressed. And rich. But you know what? In 70 years, God's going to keep his promise. I don't see people posting that. You know what that, you know what that means? Is that God sometimes allows us to go through periods of unhappiness, 
because it's transforming who we are. It makes us better and refines us and has a deeper devotion for our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Right? Adversity makes you stronger. Whether you're an athlete, whether you're a Christian, whatever it is. Adversity makes you tougher. It makes you stronger. It makes you more deeper and sincere in your faith. And that's the reason why God lets us go through periods of unhappiness. You know, when I think of this concept that's being taught in a lot of congregations and of this health and wealth and prosperity and God wants you to be happy, you know what I think in my mind? I think it's just a watered-down, sanitized version of an American theology. That's all it is. A watered-down, sanitized American theology. You know what? There are Christians in Iran. And you know what? God loves those Christians in Iran just as much as he loves everyone in this room. No different. Loves them on the same level. And I guarantee you that our lives here in the United States are far more luxurious, are far more enjoyable. We have far more things that bring us superficial happiness here on this earth than they do. But God still loves them. You know why? Because we're the product really of time and circumstance of where we're at. Right? By the grace of God, we were born into the United States of America, and I thank God for that every day. Right? We live in a great place, a great land. But we're really, by the grace of God, just time and circumstance that we're here. And those Christians who are in Iran, they're the product of time and circumstance of where they're at. Does God want them to be happy when they're suffering oppression, they're hiding under a rock because of some radical Islamic group over there? It's different. You see, God's more concerned about the response in our lives to circumstances. They're the product of time and circumstance of where they're at. We're the product of time and circumstance of where we're at. But God's not so concerned about our circumstance, but how we respond to that circumstance. Does that make sense? Does everyone make sense? God's not concerned. God's not sitting behind you, patting you on the back in that job interview, hoping that you get that promotion because he wants you to be happy. God's concerned with how you're going to respond to that if you get that promotion and you rise in the ranks. How are you going to treat those people who are below you? Are you going to treat them with dignity? Are you going to treat them with fairness? Are you going to take care of them? Are you going to be a good master as they're your servants in a work relationship? God's responding how you're going to respond to that circumstance if you don't get that promotion. Are you going to be content with your wages? Are you going to continue to work as if you're working for the Lord? Are you going to be thankful for what he's given you? God's concerned with the response. God's not concerned of whether you're sitting there self-loathing in a pitiful marriage because you're unhappy. The circumstance of that. God's concerned of whether you're going to look to Jesus Christ to find the answers to make that marriage better and to fulfill it and to provide it with happiness through the, the grace and the measure of Jesus Christ. He's more concerned about the response than the circumstance of your happiness. God's not standing there behind you conjuring up some magic at the plate so that you can hit a home run in the ninth inning to win the game for everybody and be happy. God's concerned with the response. If you hit the ball over left field and you, and you hit a home run, are you, going to be, are you going to be humble? Are you going to be thankful that God allowed you to do that? Or are you going to go back and you're going to lose your temperament because you strike out of the plate? God's concerned about the response, not the circumstance of your happiness. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm not knocking happiness at all. I don't want to sound like we're gloom and doom, and as Christians, you and I are sojourners in a land of sorrow as we shrug our shoulders getting through it as pilgrims on a way to a faraway land. 
I'm not saying that. God has blessed us with a lot of happiness. In fact, I believe that if you live a Christian life from your youth all the way to your elder years, your life will be far more fulfilled. It'll be far happier because you'll heed the instruction of Ecclesiastes. You'll heed that instruction of Proverbs. And you'll avoid a lot of those pitfalls that can bring you a lot of heartache in your life. And you can have a happy life because you're, living, you're walking in the grace of Jesus Christ and you can be fulfilled in happiness. I believe that God gives us so many blessings that we should be thankful for, that we should be very, very, very grateful for. And I'm not saying that you should take on a depressed attitude. You should be thankful for the things that you have. You should, you should be extremely thankful for those things. But that this whole concept of God being a genie or that God's going to be a Santa Claus for me is simply false. It's simply false. When, we, uh, when we're assigned topics, the elders, they give, us the, uh, they give us the topic and then they give us a synopsis of what the topic is about uh, with a corresponding verse. And, and I generally don't share that, but I did want to share it. I'm not sure if Matt wrote it or Yancey wrote it, but I really like the way that it was written, so I want to share it with you. Uh, when, I, when I got this assignment, it said, our, our culture tends to understand God as a religion. Religion is therapeutic, meaning God, religion, will help me feel good. On the contrary, the gospel presents us with a suffering Savior who calls us to conform into his image, which is the image of Jesus Christ. And I think that that's perfectly put. In fact, the corresponding verse with that was James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And I think that this just goes along with what Paul and Peter were talking about, about adversity and about pursuing, um, ad, and about pursuing your faith throughout adversity. It makes you stronger and makes you closer and have a deeper devotion to God. And I want to, just as I close, I want to remind us that you and I as, as Christians, and I talked to, Chris mentioned this this morning, is, you know, there's a difference in happiness and joy. You know, happiness is an emotion. Joy is something that we receive in faith when we're fulfilled with the grace of Jesus Christ. And I think that that's uh, very beautifully put. If God allows you to get into the college that you want to get into, that's great. Thank God for that. He's blessed you with that. You should be happy. But if he doesn't, be thankful that God's opened up other opportunities for your life that he seeks for you to serve him in. If you, if you, there's so many things that I could go on and on about. And in closing, I want to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And so one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. God wants us to be joyful. But you know what? God wants us to be joyful in the redemption and the saving grace of Jesus Christ and not so much the superficial things of this life. When I was preparing for this sermon, I heard another preacher uh, make a comment. He said, you know, sometimes we look at God as a, a massive vending machine in the sky. That if I go in and I put in the dollar and I push the button for a Reese's and I've done, what I've, done, I've done what I've been told to do and I've satisfied the demands of the vending machine, that it should spit out a Reese's. 
And sometimes in our life we feel like we've done things right. We feel like we're following God. And sometimes we don't get what we're asking. Or some things we don't get what we think that we are expected that we should have. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to be happy. That means God has a, a different purpose for our life. In whatever circumstance that is, whether we're a Christian in Iran or whether we're a Christian in a drive-thru in a Chick-fil-A somewhere in North Texas, God has called you to the same standard. He's not called you to be happy. He's called you to be holy. And if you find that holiness, you will internally be happy. I promise you. Um, I appreciate your attention very much this morning. You've been a very good audience. At this time, we're going to offer a song of invitation if you have an issue that you would like to bring before the congregation. We ask that you stand and come forward, sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.